Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Welcome to this Wednesday evening service, Bible study night. Amen. Thank you, praise team. We're so excited. One of the things I appreciate about what I feel in the kingdom of God, in this church, even I feel it in this city, is that we believe in second chances. And the word of the Lord came again to Abraham. And the word of the Lord came again to Solomon. And the word of the Lord came again to Jonah the second time. We're so thankful for that, aren't we? Would you thank God for mercy and grace and peace and strength? Amen. I've known her for almost really within a matter of a week or two that this is our 18th year been in Zanesville this month and uh, Sister Ashley we've always loved you hand of God on your life and what we feel man the touch of the Lord we want her to come she's going to do a devotion here tonight and speak from her heart what God has given her we've always felt the anointing of the Lord in her life and would you welcome Sister Ashley Amen. We love her. And Brother Jackson, so thankful for her. Praise God. We want her to take her liberty. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And I feel so honored. And I give honor to my pastor and to his wife who have loved me and who have always been there for me. I'm grateful for them. And to the ministry of this church and to all you people who have been so kind to me and Jax, um, there truly is no place like home. And I am grateful to be here. Amen. If you will turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4. When you have it, say amen. And verse 4 says, And then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And then I said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And with the help of the Lord, just for the next few minutes, I will not be long, but I would like to talk to you about walking in confidence. Amen. You may be seated. In 2020, when I came back to the house of the Lord, um, as good as it was to be here, I felt like I immediately was conflicted um, in my spirit. And I kind of went through a season of identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. Um, I didn't know where I belonged. I knew I belonged here, but you know, after 10 years, uh, it's hard to come back and to just feel like you. And 
I think a lot of it had to do with the lifestyle um, that I lived and uh, it's very true that sin, although it may be good for a season, it does bring shame and bondage. And I dealt with condemnation. I was forgiven, but I didn't know, I, I didn't feel that God had truly forgiven me. And um, it took me a while to overcome that. But I just want to encourage someone tonight that you may not be dealing with condemnation because not everyone deals with that. Um, but you may feel like you don't have what it takes to walk in your purpose and in your destiny with God. But I want to remind you that you do. Amen. And he said in the verse, in verse five, he said, before I formed thee, I knew thee. And before you came out of the womb, I sanctified thee or I set you apart. And I ordained thee or anointed thee. And when you think about it, it's so powerful because before we even took a breath, before God, before we had breath in our body, in our mother's womb, God knew exactly who we were our destiny, our purpose. And not only did he knew that, know that, but he gave us what we needed to walk in confidence and to walk where God has called us to go. Amen. Don't ever let the enemy or an inner voice or even an outside voice try to tell you that you don't have what it takes. God in his infinite wisdom not only did he set you apart, but he gave you what you needed to walk in destiny and what you needed to walk in your purpose in him. Amen. You can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are called. Amen. According to his purpose. Amen. We cannot allow ourselves to settle to operate on a lower spiritual scale or to be content with mediocrity. And I'm just saved and I'm glad to be here, but we have to allow ourselves to walk where God wants us to go and to be used. And not just that, but to be confident, to be sure, to know that where he's taking me, he is with me. Amen. God has more for you and he has more for me and our story is not over yet. Amen. It is important to realize that sometimes it's not always the enemy. And I think it's very true that, you know, we do give him more credit than credit is due. And like our pastor taught us a few weeks ago, sometimes it's that inner voice um, that seems to be so loud sometimes. And it causes us to compare ourselves to one another. Well, this person can do this, but I can't do that. But the Bible says to don't compare yourself among yourselves. Yes, comparison is the thief of joy. Each and every one of us in this room has something to contribute to the kingdom. Amen. Your story is not mine and mine is not yours, but we can all be used. Amen. And he's a God of second chances. Even if you haven't been raised in it and you feel like you, need, you want God to use you, I'm here to tell you he's a God of second chance and he can do exceeding abundantly. Amen. Amen. In this last hour that we are in, we must not feel intimidated when it comes to our anointing and to our calling. God is love. 
and perfect love casteth out fear. Amen. And he said it. And verse 8, he said, be not afraid. He's going to send us where he wants us to go. And we don't have to go in fear because he is with us. We are not given to a spirit of fear. And I wanted to just encourage someone tonight that God is with you. And whatever, when you want to walk in, I'm telling you, when you begin to walk in destiny and walk in the will of God where he wants you to go, nothing, no voice, no devil, no demon can stop what God has ordained. All you have to do is activate your faith and know that he is with me. He is for me and he is not against me. You are somebody. You are special. He said, be confident in this. That he that begin a good work and you will see it unto completion. Amen. He has made you the head and not the tail. I am above and I am not beneath. I am somebody in Christ. I can walk in confidence. I can walk knowing that he's right beside me and he has my hand wherever he would have me to go. Amen. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence in, is in him. Walk in your calling with confidence and know that if he called you to it, he equipped you with everything you need to walk in your purpose. And when you do, it will not only impact you and change your life, it will change the lives of everyone around you. And that is the goal. That is the ultimate goal. God bless you. me appreciate the word. My, what a touch of God we feel in this room. Thank you for the word of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if I didn't have a word for tonight, we'd just let her go on. Amen. That's the truth. I, oh, I feel like praising them. I feel like shouting. I feel like clapping my hands. I just feel like rejoicing tonight. I feel that confidence. I feel the confidence of the Lord. The book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, you would turn there, chapter 2. We, we are going to read tonight together. This is certainly going to be a Bible study, and I will be teaching you tonight. Um, I felt like the Lord gave me a word last week. I felt a revelation as to deliver to you as I was teaching a Bible study last week. And um, I do feel like it's going to impact you. It's going to change the way you make decisions as whether it's in business, whether it's individually, whether it's as parents. Um, I believe it will change the way you set your goals. And I do feel that God has given us something here tonight that's going to help all of us. Can you say amen? amen. The book of Genesis chapter 2, reading with verse 1. I certainly welcome everyone here tonight. I just, my goodness, I feel the touch of God. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, the Bible tells us. Look at your neighbor, two or three people, and say, the Lord's going to finish the work that he began in you. Lord, I pray over your, your word tonight. I thank you for what I have already felt in this church. Lord, we are the head and not the tail, only above and not beneath. We are overtaken in blessing this evening. Certainly, God, you are with us and for us 
I pray that every ear would be anointed. Every heart would be opened and that you would anoint me to do that which you've called me to do as the shepherd, as the pastor this evening. In Jesus' name, and somebody say amen. amen. Chapter two of Genesis, verse one, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. It's a key word to understand there is the word finished. So many times you feel unaccomplished because what you've started is not finished. There is the power of finishing. The Bible says he's the author and finisher of our faith. And probably there's some men in this room that has 17 projects and none of them are finished. I knew a woman was going to say amen when I said that. And it reads on, it says, and the earth were, heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work. He ended his work which he'd made and he rested on the seventh from all his work which he had made. It says, and God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. There's a, a snippet that I believe is a peek into what this might have looked like, and that is on down in verse 8. It gives a little more detail about what the Sabbath looks like, but it says, verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Everybody say, to the sight. And good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Chapter 3, verse 8, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking where? In the garden, in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. I would like to teach you tonight simply planning for the Sabbath. Planning for the Sabbath. Would you lift your hands and ask God to speak to your spirit? Almighty God, we certainly love you this evening for all that you do and all that you've done for us. I pray that you would help me Help us to do, God, what you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone says, amen. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout. Go ahead and shout. The Lord is here. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to methodically walk through creation, if you will, with me tonight, and you will indulge my time of working through Scripture. But Genesis chapter 1, I listen, I grew up in this. I grew up in this. If the preacher read a lot of verses, I could only stand so much of that, and my mind went elsewhere. Anybody get a witness? When they went past three verses, I was gone. I was on a riverbank in my mind somewhere fishing. Uh, as an adult, I'm trying to finish things I have unfinished at home, but... Um, I realize the danger of reading a lot of verses, but I will try to explain them one by one, uh, or at least in segments. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1 says, are you ready? You have your Bibles with you? If you have your Bible, say amen. amen. If you don't, say oh me. You don't have to, I'm just teasing. In the beginning, God created 
the heaven, and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. It was without form. It was also void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The breath of God moved. The Spirit of God upon the face of the waters. After God moved, verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. So if you can picture it in the beginning, the earth was without form, it was void, it was dark. In reality, there was nothing but darkness over a sea-covered earth. Somewhere there was just water in the midst of darkness. That's where it was. The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the waters. There seemed to be water there. It was dark. There was no, no form. There was, it was void. It was dark. But God moved, and after he moved... And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It says, and God saw the light, that it was, it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Everything that God did, he started in the dark. It was the evening and the morning. Darkness, as we heard a preacher preach recently, can be a new beginning. It's the start of a new day. Sometimes when we have darkness, oh, I need to get back to teaching. I'm going to start preaching here. Darkness seems to be the beginning of something new. He goes on and says, he says, in the evening and the morning, what were the first day? Everybody say the first day. It says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. God called the firmament heaven, which we would call the sky. And the evening and the morning were the second day. He separated the waters beneath from the waters above. There's a lot of water in this room tonight. There's water in the air. How many know that? That's why in the winter your, your, your nose gets dry, your sinuses get runny because the water is drier in the wintertime. Oh, but in the summer, you've got your dehumidifiers filling up that bucket in your basement, pulling water out of the air. How many know what I'm talking about? Because you can't make it without water even in the air. And in the water in the air, we call this the sky or the heavens, the firmament. Look, look on. And so on the second day, he separates the waters above from the waters beneath. It goes on and says, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. So we see that the waters would gather together and earth seemed to be separated from the water. And it was just dirt, uh, mountains, if you will, rocky mountains. There would have been dirt hills and dirt. If you've ever been out west, you can see actual mountains that are just nothing but rolling hills of dirt. There's no green, there's no grass, because there's no irrigation or water up there. It doesn't rain in that area of, uh, up near Washington. You go up the Columbia River in the state of Washington in Oregon. I've been there. They'll pipe water up there and irrigate it, and they'll have vineyards as far as the eye can see. If you just get water on the dirt, it brings life. But in your mind, if you can picture now, now on the third day, the first day, we've got, we've got light and darkness. On the second day, we've got water above from the water beneath. 
On the third day, we've got land now separated from the sea. And what happens here is he adds to the land. And it says in verse 10, And God called the dry land earth, the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth what? Grass. Are y'all with me tonight? See, y'all have already turned me off. I've only been a few verses. You, where are you at? You, you're already, some of you at Cracker Barrel right now. You've already went to Tad's Pizza. I'm teasing. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself up on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass. And the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Now the dry earth, the, the earth, the land, the earth that was dry, nothing there. Now it's green. There's trees, there's forest, there's evergreens, there's apple trees of different kinds, there's pear trees and peaches and cherries and banana pepper plants. It won't be long. Potatoes. And you've got it all. These herbs. There's no thorns. There's no thistles now. But it's just everything that's good for us is now upon the earth. He goes on and watch what happens in verse 15. And it says, uh, verse 14, excuse me. It says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The greater light would be called what? The sun. The lesser light we would call the moon, and we get our years, and we get our seasons from those. If you study that, he made the stars also. And it says, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And uh, I've enjoyed that greater light shining through my window because it's getting warmer every single day, and I'm happy about it, not having hair, and I'm cold in the wintertime. Can I get a witness from some older person in the building? Because young people don't care. That was Brother Iscardo, amen. We're in the same predicament. Watch what it says. It says, it says um, and to rule over the day and over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Something to be, if they'll show the slide here, I just want to teach you here for a moment. Watch what God does. Watch what God does here. On the first day, he forms light and darkness are divided. On the fourth day, he deals with light and darkness. You see that? What he starts here, he completes here. So let's, let's look at day two. When he deals with the firmament, and he is, he's dividing the water beneath from the water above, do you see this? Watch what happens. On the second day, he finishes on the fifth day. What does he do? He's put water in the air here. He's got water beneath here, but he's going to complete this. Now he has put 
birds. You're going to see that next. I, I need to read that. But he puts fowl in the air and fish in the sea. What he did on day one, he did completed on day four. What he did on day two, he completed on day five. Watch this. Stay with me. And it says, um, verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly. Do you see that? The moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Let me stop here and say that if we're not careful, let me just get to a little bit of what I'm teaching you tonight. If we're not careful, we'll be so busy making money, busy upgrading uh, our home and fixing our car, and cutting our grass and doing these things. We don't enjoy the things that God intended for us to enjoy. I was there. I was... A point in my life, I'd got busier than, you, you know, uh, I'd, uh, I'm hijacking my own message here, but I want you to hear it. There was a moment in my life in 2000, several years ago, 2013, that I had a moment, a blood clot got in my leg. A uh, piece of it broke off and went to my brain, and I was numb for 13 hours on the right side. I was, couldn't feel from just, if you drew a line down the center of my body, my right, I couldn't feel, I was numb. Uh, went in the hospital, and a, a lady walked in there, and she, I never saw her after that. She was a, a, a lady doctor, I'm assuming, probably a neurologist, who knows. But when she walked in, she came in, told the story of my life, and didn't even know me. She said more in five minutes than any other doctor said in the entire hours I was there. And she began to talk to me about my schedule. She began to talk to me about my diet. She began to talk to me about things, and and uh, I'll never forget the things that she told me. Uh, there was a fear that came on me because uh, when you have a blood clot in your leg, a piece of it breaks and goes to your brain. And the doctor later tells me that, I, that if I would have went on the plane to Australia to preach, I would have died on that plane. And uh, I canceled all my flights after he told me that. <laughs> and uh, they were going to put me on blood thinners and, and on and on. I had to reevaluate my life because I realized at 35 years old I could die. And that I had limitations. They did a study on me and they found out I had a genetic blood clotting disorder. When you set, your blood pools in your legs. It's not flowing. Uh, blood usually clots in about three hours. But that's why if you're on a plane, you need to get up and walk. Don't take long flights and sleep for 12 hours. You need to get up and walk. Even normal people uh, get blood clots. But what I'm saying to you is I realized I had limitations. And if there's one thing it did to me, it caused me to be very angry. I got angry when they told me I could die and I had limitations, things I couldn't do. They're going to put me on blood thinners and on and on. I said, I'll just stop traveling. I'm not getting on blood thinners at age 35. What it did for me, Brother Lee, and I know you were praying for me, it gave me a word that gave comfort to me during that time. Thank you for praying for me. It means a lot. But he, uh, it gave me a word and he said, this is not going to bring death. This is going to bring change. It did. Probably it brought the, one of the most comforting six months I'd had in 10 years. And that was because it slowed me down. I stopped doing unnecessary things. I learned. I started driving five miles under the speed limit instead of seven over the speed limit. I started taking side roads and leaving early and looking for deer and watching for wildlife and looking at trees and 
arriving much earlier and leaving much earlier than I would have. I had gotten to a place, I was on 10 boards, serving 10 boards. I was on 10 boards, preaching, pastoring two churches, and uh, trying to reach the world. And I'm going to teach you about that. But I learned, and when I see this, that, that I, I would have rushed in and preached and rushed home. I would have literally, I'd get on my truck, run in our secretaries, uh, Sister Jackie and Sister Cheryl at the time, they would block me spaces because uh, they realized, probably realized I was out of balance. It caused me to enjoy what God had created. Can I stop here today and say God didn't in, in, intend for you to work every hour of your life, every day of your life, and uh, companies bribe you with triple time on your birthday. It's not worth it. They bribe you with triple pay on days. It's not the will of God to work every day of your life and not to enjoy life. You've got to learn to live within your means and say no to things that are not necessary. And um, I, I stopped and I remember reflecting in those six months of minimal travel. Uh, I pulled myself, I resigned from things and my wife, precious wife, had been talking to me that week about that. I didn't feel like I was doing enough. And I think if we're not careful, uh, come here, Brother Tyler. I mean, um, come here, Brother Zion. I think if we're not careful, we can be driven by passion instead of intentional purpose and calling of God. Watch. We feel something pushing us, pushing us. That's not how God works. Come back over here. God, in his infinite wisdom, face me, he will pull you to where he already is. He doesn't push you to where he's not. He will pull you to where he already is. Billy Cole said, I find out where the Holy Ghost is going and I just show up. Look at your neighbor and say, go where the Holy Ghost is going and show up. Passion can put you out of balance. How many know it's true? And I, I've, I've, I'll get, I'm going to get back to this for a minute. But you've got to learn that you're limited. There's some things you don't have to do. And God never drives you or pushes you. Your motivation to do something should never be guilt. Don't guilt people. And don't be guilted into doing anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? God never, God never uses a force to put you in a place over guilt. He doesn't. He, he will give you a desire to be where that is. He will draw you to where he is. Somebody say amen. And so when you're looking at this, I, I read this, and, uh, I, and I see something so neat here because it talks about God created the wells. Just a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have done this. I'd have rushed in and rushed out, but I went and preached for a friend of mine and went early and took my whole family and budgeted for to go there. And we went, instead of just preaching, I took a little time to see that area. I had, I had bucket list things. How many of you have bucket lists? <laughs> he said he doesn't even have a bucket. We've got plenty around here, amen. We give you a, there's a whole bunch of them around. Uh, but a bucket list. And one of my bucket lists was to drive my family through a, 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 a red oak tree. And I knew they were out there. And I said, we're going to go out there. We're going to take time to do this. I probably in 2013 would have not have done that. I just rushed in and rushed out. Because I was trying to reach the world. It was unwise. It wasn't. And uh, while I was there, that great pastor there, 
John McDonald, who's going to be preaching our 80th anniversary in September, he took me out fishing in the ocean, salmon fishing. And while I was there, Finn was with me. And we're fishing. And guess what pops up right out front of our boat? Big, huge. They were either humpback whales or gray whales. We had 20 or 30 of them around us. And you should have seen Finn. You've never seen a kid move so fast in his life and sit in his seat and said, I'm ready to go. Take me home. He had been fishing, you know, he had been catching big salmon and, and uh, he said, I'm ready. He never moved out of that seat for the rest of that trip. He thought those whales were going to eat him, you know. And uh, I'll never forget the man saying to me, he said, these days like this are probably once a year. He said, to have this part of the world, this, this, this ocean to be calm, it's like a lake. He said, he said, this is a God thing. And what I do believe is that if you will take time, God wants you to enjoy the earth that he created. See the oceans, see the whales, catch the salmon and take them in and fillet them and eat them on a barbecue two hours after you catch them. I'm gonna tell you, that's pretty good stuff right there and I did that. I feel like giving, my, giving the Lord a hand clap of praise over that salmon I ate. That's about as fresh as seafood as you get. And uh, Cindy, you remember that. She's not even a seafood person, but we went and right in and cooked it. You gotta take time. We could have, I could have said easily, there's people lost. I need to get back to Zanesville. I got to go preach a revival because people are going to hell. You got to understand that we're limited. You cannot work all the time. You can't cry over the lost every day of your life. There's got to be a moment you pull back and enjoy what God has done. Can the church say amen? And it says, and I'm, I'm gonna get back in here and finish this thought here, but, and God created the whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth, and uh, largemouth bass and sunfish and crappie, catfish. Can I get a witness from some people ready to go fishing right now? All right. And, uh, and every winged fowl of the air, turkey season. I got to a place I didn't even enjoy turkey hunting. I didn't, I didn't enjoy going out in the wild. I my brother called, said he wanted to go hunting. I'd go hunting for him. I had no desire. Couldn't feel anything. Didn't want to do anything. You know why? Because I didn't have any Sabbaths. I got out of balance. Loved my wife, but I couldn't feel anything. Loved my children, but couldn't feel anything. You know why? I was driven from the back instead of pulled from the front. Passion can get you out of balance. Look at your neighbor and say, this is the truth. And God bless it. You know, everything I named almost, I'm killing and eating. Did you notice that? But that's in the Bible too. Kill and eat, he said. Um, read on. It says, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Look, look at this slide again. Let me just hit this point so you see it. Day one started and completed on day four. Day two started completed on day three, or day five. Um, day three, dry land and seas, grass, herbs, and trees. Let's go to day six. That's where we're gonna hit right now. Let's look at this next verse. Are you learning anything tonight? Look what it says. It says that even in the morning, we're the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Monkeys don't produce humans. Monkeys produce monkeys. Oh, there ought to be a hearty amen in here. There ought to be a amen. Elephants produce elephants. That's right. 
Dogs produce dogs. Deer, deer. They produce after their kind. Everybody shout, that's the word of God. You need to teach your children this. That's right. And, and, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind. Cattle after their kind. Everything that creepeth up on the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We can describe some creeping things, I imagine. But he said, over everything. Somebody say, everything. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and free, female created he them. You were made in the image of God. Elephants create elephants, but you were made in the image of God. You were made after his likeness. And there's only one type of creature that has dominion over everything else. That's the humanity that was made in the image of God. God never intended for you to be in bondage, to be fearful, to be broken, to be busted. Uh -uh. He intended for you to have authority over everything around you. That's what God's plan is. Authority over your emotions. Authority over your life. Oh, I wish somebody would jump to your feet and say, God has given us dominion. God has given us authority. Praise the name of the Lord. He has. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and everything that exalted itself against God. I cannot think less of myself. I've got to see myself as a son of God, a child of God. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm telling some of you are going to break some family curses tonight. You're going to break some things that's been holding you back tonight. God's going to give you authority and dominion over everything. Amen. It's here tonight. He didn't create no weak, feeble, under bondaged uh, uh, a human. He didn't create us, create us that way. He created us in his likeness. Genesis 2, 7 says, And God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He rose up his sleeves and hands in. His own arm, later says, brought salvation to us. And when you look at that, he created Adam looking 4,000 years later at Jesus. Jesus was not made in the likeness of Adam. Adam was made in the likeness of Jesus. Because he declares the end from the beginning. And that's why he said, let us make man in our image. Looking ahead 4,000 years as the son of God. And the Bible says that this Adam, and, and all of a sudden there's a corpse laying there. He, he's, he's naked. He's, he's laying there with his hands. His, his eyes are opened and, and his mouth and nose. He's laying there. God has designed his heart, lungs, his immunity, his nervous system, all that's there. His, his toes, his fingers, all the way down through there. And he has designed him. And then God himself gets down on his knees and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. He's not like the dog or the cat. He's not like the cattle or the fish. He's not like the bird or the elephant. He's a soul now. There's a spirit man in him. 
There's something about him and he opens his eyes and when he does, guess what he looks at? Paradise. There's no thorns, there's no pain. The Bible says they were naked and not ashamed and he looks out and when he does and God sees man in the garden, he sees man there and he looks down and he said, oh, there's something missing. You know what he needs? He needs a companion. And he causes him to go to sleep. He pulls a rib out of his side and he makes Eve. He designs her for his likeness. That's right. There was a natural attraction when he opens his eyes from sleep and leans over and looks. There's a beautiful woman there. It's a, nat a natural attraction that God because the void, oh, I'm, I need to preach here for a minute. What was missing in him, he would find in her. The void in him, he's going to find in her. That's what makes marriage powerful between a man and a woman. Is what the void in his life is actually found in her. Can somebody say amen? God designed marriage between a man and a woman. And when this is done, you'll look, you'll find that God had placed Adam here. He had placed them in this garden. The scripture says, when everything is finished, he stopped his work. And what did he do on the seventh day? God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day. Here's a big question for you today. Did God rest because he was tired? Was he, was he leaning over on the, on the sixth day going... Oh, no, if he was tired, he's limited. If he's, if he's weary, he's limited. But God's not tired. The Bible says he's the ancient of days. He doesn't even age with time. I mean, no, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is a God that does not age, neither does he weaken. He did not rest because he was weary. He rested because he's setting an example. He's resting because he's teaching us something, how we are to live on the earth he made. Can I stop here for a moment and tell you that he didn't, he didn't put, uh, throw, the, throw the slide back up here for a moment. He did not put Adam and Eve on day three or, or day two. He didn't drop them out here in the water. They'd have drowned. He, he, didn't, he didn't put them on day one. They'd have suffocated. They'd have been cold, too cold at night and frozen possibly. What did he do? He built the paradise, completed it, and then said, here you go. The trees are for sight and I can see is Adam and Eve come here Eve come on up here good looking isn't she lovely Woo! I still get excited when I see her y'all don't know it, but I'm flirting with her still even during church sometimes I'll be looking at her getting goo goo eyed she's embarrassed she's going to get me later Eve, come here, look at this. Look, 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 look. The sun's setting. Look at those colors in the sky. I like to see sunsets, don't I? Mm -hmm. The sunset would have been that way. This is east. 
Let's go back to a sunrise here. If we're not careful, we'll be so busy, we can't see the artwork of God. And God looks out of heaven and sees them enjoying the home he gave them. And rest to the Lord was seeing the accomplishment of those whom he makes he loves. The Bible says that Adam was the son of God. And when you look out and God is looking down and sees them walking in his law, enjoying what he's made, not flustered, not in a hurry, there is no worry, there's no arguing. We have a perfect marriage. We never argue because we're perfect in all of our ways. Forgive me, Lord, I've sinned against thee in this sermon tonight. <laughs> Moments. So busy trying to take care of the house and dirty children. Y'all kids get dirty too? Messy kids and messy rooms and trying to get all of that, all of that stuff and trying to get the stuff fixed and trying to get the house this, trying to get this, and this breaks down and before we know it. You can drive down the road in a hurry to get to the house of God and it takes 45 minutes. Oh, oh, you know, I really, I've just been going through the motions. Why? Because you have not planned to enjoy what God has given you. What I submit to you, submit to you tonight, and I'll take the next few minutes to wrap up this sermon, and it's this. The reason you don't enjoy life because you have no plan to enjoy life. If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. God in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, you know what he did? He didn't just create. He didn't just go. He was very methodical. He created in threes. Everybody hold up threes. God's number of creation. What you will find is so interesting is what he did in the day one, two, three. He completed on four, five, six. He did that. He, he actually created in three days twice. When you look at that, how about Jonah was in the belly for three days? Jesus was in the grave for three days. It was a new beginning. It was a new, you can see the nature of God in this. He was methodical in what he did. And here's the problem with the reason Christians do not enjoy what God has given them because they have no plan. They go to work, rush to get to work, rushing to leave work. Get home and they have no plan. They just show back up the house and grab a quick bite to eat and run outside and they're doing this and that, but there's no plan. Then they get to their Sabbath. Everybody say a Sabbath. I, and they get to Sabbath and they've got all these unfinished tasks and their Sabbath is wash clothes day and clean the car day and there's a pick up the sticks day and clean up the yard day and their Sabbath is, is uh, doing all these things and it's busy day and, and then they, they rush into church and then they rush out of church and they rush back into Monday and do the same thing week after week and, and the truth of the matter is is that they go months and some even years and some even a lifetime and never enjoy what God had put right in their hands to enjoy. Their mind is always looking ahead and never reflecting on what has been. The goal of the Sabbath is able to look over six days of hard work and say, look what I've accomplished. Listen, I am telling you that if you will understand and grab the revelation in this room, is Sabbaths were not just to sleep. Sabbaths aren't just to sit there and drink your iced tea and your Diet Coke and a pot of coffee. Netflix and Hulu and Facebook, some of you... Some of your day off is consumed with media. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord spoke to me. He said, in, in one time in prayer, he said, people think entertainment brings rest to their spirit. He said, it only makes busyness to the mind. 
It's true. I'm not saying you can't have any level of entertainment, but don't think the entertainment's going to be rest. Entertainment is a disconnect. It will cause your mind to spin and be busy. And that's why you'll stay, stay up half, half the night. It's because media causes like a, like a gerbil in a wheel. It just goes round and round and round and round and round and round. Somewhere you've got to turn lights off and things off and sit quietly. Amazing that at one point in humanity that they, people used to go to sleep when it got dark and they got up when the light came on. But now they created lights, incandescent light bulbs and LED lights. Now they can work beyond. And they say, no, they're not sleeping. They're not resting. They're working because they've got to get this done. I'm always behind. I can't ever get it finished. And they say, you know, depression, anxiety, fear, insomnia. Why? Because God did not make you to work seven days a week. It's all through the scripture. You can choose the day you want. But listen to me. You've got to have a day where you stop doing what you are doing. And be thankful for what you have. Somebody say amen. Uh, I need a chair. Would you bring me a chair? Everybody okay out there? Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you've enjoyed... uh, When's the last time that you've enjoyed a sunrise, a sunset? Do you know the birds are singing? How many say the birds singing? How many enjoy it? Somebody told me one time, they said, that dove's getting on my nerves. I was cutting up with them. I said, you're in bad shape when a dove's getting on your nerves. But I think I've been there. Sabbaths aren't for looking ahead. Sabbaths are reflecting what God has given you and what you've done. The goal of the Sabbath, if you can picture this, is looking over yesterday saying I'm thankful for what I have because if you're not careful your Sabbath will be looking for what you don't have I don't have this done I don't have this I don't have this much money we don't anybody relate with what I'm talking about anybody ever been there get a second or third job to try to get what something you don't need to please people you don't even know And you come to church and you're frustrated. You can't get anything out of the message. God's moving. You don't even know it. Because your mind's somewhere else. Why? Not because you're bad. Because you're outside, out of balance. I feel this tonight. I really do. There's a sense of accomplishment that you've got to have. And so in practical teaching, I would say to you, uh, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you will. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. How do I feel accomplished when I have projects that are not finished? One thing I would say to you is don't start too many projects. Amen? Uh, the Bible says, before Jesus taught us, before you build a tower, count the cost. lest you become ashamed. You can start something with no plan to finish it. Um, just to witness again, how many of you men have started projects and it's still there? I've got my hand up. Uh, I remember my mother-in-law, Sister Tackett, she told me, she said, uh, I was trying to remodel our house, and uh, she said to me, she said, you ever thought about just remodeling one room at a time instead of all of them at the same time? I said, yes, ma'am. She was right. I was wrong. I was trying to do it all. How many ever tried to do that? So I had projects going in four or five rooms, and when she said that, I stopped what I was doing. 
I stopped all the projects except one. You can, you can have a project unfinished and on a Sabbath reflect and feel accomplished. Why? Because you looked at what you could do within six days. But on the seventh, you didn't do anything. And you can reflect over that and see that you've accomplished that. Why? Because you set attainable daily goals toward the project. Is the project finished? Are you finished for the week? And you can feel accomplished because you set attainable goals. Why? Because on at least one day, you did something called planning. On Monday, I'm going to do this much. On Tuesday, I'm going to do this much. But what happens, what happens is we take a small segment of what we can do. Everybody hold up, hold up this. Everybody say a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit on Monday. I'm going to do a little bit on Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday. And I'm going to rest. But what happens is, entertainment is stealing us from doing a little bit. Are y'all with me? Boy, you're feeling condemned right now. But everybody take this. Are you ready? Stack six of these on top of each other. Four, five, six. What we're doing, though is we're waiting till the Sabbath to do this much when we could have done a little bit every day this much and be available for God to rest with us on the Sabbath day. Some of you are saying, I ain't ever heard about a Sabbath day. Well, you need, you need to understand there's time to take Sabbaths because if you will be able to reflect, everybody say plan for the Sabbath. That means you're looking ahead and saying, you know what? On Sunday, I'm not going to work. My dad didn't let me cut grass. I wasn't allowed to pick up a stick. We weren't allowed to go deer hunting. There was a lot of things he didn't let us do because he felt like on Sunday, and I realized Saturday is a, the Sabbath, and, and Jewish calendar would say that's the Sabbath. On your own calendar, would say the Saturday is the Sabbath, but, but dad treated Sunday like a day with the Lord. That's where we go to church. That's where we think about God. And what I'm saying is church should not be busy in our mind. It should be a day of reflection that you finished everything you can and that you're not missing church for a, a, a project at home or the car or things to maintain. But what are you doing on Sunday? I'm just being thankful. Look what the Lord has done. Look at this house that God has given me and my kids. Look, look at the black. Are y'all with me right now? And I can worship on Sunday. Why? Because I've taken care of a plan to worship on Sunday. The old timers went to church planning to be there before they ever got there. In our generation, we just show up. People used to plan and think and think ahead, but this generation, your generation, they just show up to work. They run out of work. They're going here. They're going there. There's got to be a moment you sit back. And I would say to every employee in the room, you need to take time not to just show up on time. You need to have a little space in your life. Everybody hold that up. Space. You know what an indention is in a paragraph? You know what it's defined as? It's declared as a space of nothing. That brings clarity to the sentence, to the thought. It's a space of nothing that brings clarity. How many has ever read, any educators in here ever read one of your students' papers and there was no punctuations? There were no spaces, there was no space and a half in between the sentence and it was just all, anybody ever done that? Any of you teachers ever done that? I've had to grade papers. I've had to do this before, different classes I've taught. You know what, and there was no punctuation. You can't tell the end from the beginning. That's some of your lives are that way. Some of your lives are that way. You're getting nothing out of life. 
You're getting nothing out of work. You don't even know how much money you have coming in. You don't even know how much money is going out. There's no plan for your big Sabbath, which is called retirement. You got a plan for that. I don't have time to get into that today because some of you are already checking out. I'm three past eight. But there's got to be a moment that you said, hey, honey, uh, one of these days, uh, you know, the Bible says to prepare for winter. One of these days, when winter comes, you know what I'll call winter? Gray hair. Winter's coming. You're not going to feel like you're not going to be able. Maybe Uncle Arthur's going to join the family. Hands can't do. Your testosterone levels are lower. You don't feel as good. You want to sleep more often. Then Ecclesiastes says you get up to hear the birds and your ears are too dim to hear them. You get up to see the sun rise and your eyes are too dim to see it. Talks about we age. We age. And we're going to get to that place. But if you don't start now planning for then, you're not going to be able to enjoy retirement. Let there be an amen. amen. And that's why we have... Listen, I, I want everybody in this room to lift your hands and say, God, help me to be a planner like you are. Somebody say amen. Is it the will of God to enjoy life through life? Is it? Plan for it. If you don't plan, you're not going to be happy. If you do not plan, I don't care how much Holy Ghost you have, how much you talk in tongues, how much you go to church, if you do not plan, you're going to become frustrated and feel unaccomplished. Don't start jobs you can't finish. That you have to take your Sabbaths, and every Sabbath there's an ox in a ditch. If you have an ox in a ditch every single Sabbath, it's a planning problem, not an emergency problem. You can't let your lack of planning become your emergency. Plan. Everybody say, planning is part of my work day. Take time to plan. I would say to every employee, go to work early and sit in the car and listen to some music and rest your mind before you go in there. Just, it's a good habit to have just in case there's traffic on the road, especially in Zanesville right now. You're still early, you're still on time, but you can get there and just rest your mind for a minute and listen and think about the Lord and think about your goodness before you get there. The goodness of God. Ecclesiastes 5 and 18 says, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and drink. Let everybody say amen. The Lord in his holy writ says it's a good thing to eat and drink. Look at your neighbor and say not too much. And what? To enjoy the good of all of his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him. Every day that you get up is a God-given day. You know what I wish somebody would do in the morning? I wish you'd just wake up with a smile on your face, throw your feet over the side of your bed, jump out of that bed and say, it's a good day that the Lord has given me. Scare your wife to death. Kids say, what's wrong with you, Dad? It's a good day. Everybody get up. Sometimes my kids don't get up. I start playing the piano. They don't like it. Watch what it says, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. What it's saying is if you're working seven days, you're not enjoying the gift. You're not enjoying the labor. You just keep laboring and laboring and laboring and laboring and won't be long. Your mind's going to break down. Your emotion's going to break down. Your spirit's going to break down. You're not going to sleep like you should. Why? Because you're not enjoying anything you're doing. 
What do you do? Stop playing and enjoy. Somebody say, the Lord has been good to me. Watch what it says in verse 20. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. One translation said, God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. He says, if you will do it God's way, you won't regret over yesterday. You're going to rejoice because God has been good to me. Look at all the good things he's given to me. I have feel balanced. I feel peace. I feel, let's all stand on our feet, clap our hands, and thank God for his word. Would you do that? Thank God for his word. Proverbs 13 and 19 says, the desire, Proverbs 13 and 19. Mark, write this down before we leave tonight. It says, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Everybody say that with me. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Another interpretation would say, dreams fulfilled is so sweet to a person. When the goals have been accomplished, how many of you have ever worked and felt like you were doing a lot and nothing was ever getting done? How are we going to fix that? We're going to plan to be able to take a day off. Plan. Honey, do you remember that preacher told us, he said, I've never taken a vacation. He got mad at me because I was taking one. He did. He said, you coming to my conference? I said, no, sir. He said, well, why not? I said, because I'm taking my wife on vacation. I was respectful. Would you believe he got up and preached against me? Tell the truth. He said, well, he got up in the pulpit and said, well, bless God, I've never taken a vacation. I leaned there with my wife and I said, not one of his kids are in church either. That's the truth. None of them live for God. You know why? Because you can be so spiritual, you're no earthly good. Well, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray about it. God expects you not to just be so spiritual that you have a real high jump when your feet hit the ground. You don't even know how to walk. You got to learn to walk. It's like, uh, come here, Brother Zion, bring me another chair. Are you okay? I'll just be a couple minutes, just a few minutes. And, uh, Set a chair, set a chair just like that. Separate them just a little bit. Would you stand on those chairs and face the audience? I told him the other day, I said, Brother Zion, you're a spiritual man. This man is a blessing to us. He really is. I said, but as your pastor, I want to teach you. It's like railroad tracks through life. You got a spiritual side. You got a temporal side. Everybody take your hands. I don't care how much you pray, the grass is going to grow. Kids have got to grow up. You're going to go through chemical changes in your body. When it happens to teenagers, they drive you crazy. Then you get hot flashes in your mid 40s to 50s. That's insulted half the congregation. Changes. Life. Life. 
no matter how much you pray, you're going to deal with midlife crisis and menopause and grandkids and hardships and death, sickness, runny noses, COVID, flu, cold weather. I pray a lot, still fell on the ice three days in a row. Life. I said I had a better shoes on, maybe. But you've got to learn to live, not just be spiritual. You've got to learn to walk temporal things. And God said, I don't care how much you pray. The Bible says you can be righteous over much. You know what that means? You can be too righteous, too holy, too spiritual. Kids need practicality in the home. You know why I'm here? Not just because my mom and daddy prayed. Because he took me fishing. Hung out with me on off days and taught me how to live. Out of mercy. Took me on vacations. Did fun things and come home from a good church service. It's not always coming in a bird and kid go to the room and pray. You need to go to the room and pray about what pastor preached tonight. It wasn't always that way. There were times we went and we ate pizza when we got home and reflected over the week and talked about the good things and laughed. Oh, your homes don't need to be filled with screens. They need to be filled with laughter. Creativity. Chairs set in the living room. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. Where you sit around and hop down. And you in your PJs. And you're sitting there hanging out and talking about life. The good things. You're not going to believe what I saw this week. Fun things. We don't have time for that. You know why? Because there's a room needs done. There's, a, there's something that needs fixed. We've got to do this. And we're looking at tomorrow instead of being thankful for today. You can plan for tomorrow. But you can't enjoy tomorrow unless you plan for right now the Lord dealt with me on this he said we're to be methodical planners so you can enjoy rest you can sleep and not rest you can sleep for 12 hours and take Valiums or melatonin or Tylenol PMs whatever you want you can sleep and not rest cause soul's troubled got all this stuff going on all, no, you don't feel accomplished You're in, you feel insecure you don't have anything done but if you will learn designed at a young age one of these days you're going to have that nice hair you got strong he can jump out of the building when he's playing basketball one of these days the knee is going to hurt you too bad you got to plan for that not just say the Lord's going to take care of it he said plan for it and do things in small increments you can reflect over your life and on Sunday say we're just going to be thankful for what God's given us You can be spiritual and unfulfilled. Unaccomplished Christianity. Brother Melik, am I telling the truth tonight? Did I do okay, Brother Melik? I don't want you to waste the next 25 years on trying to attain things maybe God hasn't designed for you. Last thing. This rain standing. I asked Brother Brasati. I asked him, I said, what did God call you to do in Vietnam? Who did he call you to reach? He said, he called me. He said, I want to reach all of Vietnam. I said, well, praise God. 
I said, but you're going to try to reach all 92 million of them? You're telling me he called you to reach all 92 million? I said, Brother Brasada, he didn't call you to reach all 92 million. He called you to reach part of Vietnam. Did he call? Sister Jerry, did he call you to reach the world? Brother Putnam, did he call you to reach the world? He called you to reach your part of the world. Everybody hold up a circle and say, my part. If you will understand your limitation, if you reach what God's telling you to reach, He'll give you the physical ability, the mental ability, the spiritual ability, and the financial ability. Everybody hold those four fingers up. Mental, spiritual, physical, and financial. But the day you get out of your circle, you're going to find you don't have physical strength, mental strength, spiritual strength, or financial strength. At some point, you got to realize, i got to find the circle that God's called me to do. Quit trying to live like your neighbors. Quit trying to live like your cousin. Quit trying to have what mom and dad had that took 30 years to get it. If I was the devil, you know what I would do? I would push you out of your circle and trying to get you to reach for something that God didn't call you to reach. Because then you wouldn't have mental strength, physical strength, spiritual strength, or financial strength to fulfill. And the emotion you're going to have, are you ready? Is an accomplishment. Spiritual with no satisfaction. I preach this to you because I care. How did God rest? He could fold his arms in the glory land and see Adam and Eve enjoying what he's made for them because he planned it. Slide. He planned. Go ahead and throw that slide with creation. He planned for a Sabbath. Lift your hands and talk to the Lord. Go ahead. God, I don't want to reach for things that are not mine. I'm going to slow down and rethink. When I get up Sunday, I'm not going to think about tomorrow. I'm going to think about what you've given me. I'm going to take a day and do nothing except reflect to be happy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to count my blessings between now and Sunday. I'm going to thank God for my car, my house, my kids, my health, and my finances. Quit thinking about what I want. For a day, I'm going to think about what I have. You're blessed tonight. Enjoy the fruit of your week's labor. Eat and have fun. Come on, I want everybody in the room to think about it. Get your kids and set them down and say, let's, let's be thankful for what we have. Let's be content. Something move outside of the circle which God's called us to. Lord, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Would you tonight? How many feel the touch of the Lord? Would you do something tonight? Would, would you tonight make a list and be thankful about what God's done for you when you go home, your ride home? Not talk about what you want tomorrow, but be thankful for what God's already given you. Man, I feel something in the Lord. How many feel like you could do life a little better than what you're doing? Would you raise your hand? And I'm going to request that on Monday, you set a plan for your week and grab a portion of each day. Said, I'm going to get this done before Sunday. And I'm going to enjoy every Sunday of gratefulness and reflection and thankfulness. How many believe that God's going to help you do this? I'm going to tell you, you're going to sleep, you're going to rest, and you're going to be better if you'll do what I've taught you tonight because the Lord told us this is in His Word. Everybody say, accomplishment brings joy to the soul. Sister Ashley, I think you said something like tonight is competition is the thief of joy. I've never heard that. I think we ought to thank God for what she said and helped us. They're going to play softly. If you want to pray, you can. If you want to be dismissed, I understand the hour. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Sunday night, my dad's going to be here preaching. You do not want to miss that. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.